You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. This episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast brought to you by McDonald's. I'm loving it. Today, James, we're joined by a very special guest for the second time this week, third or fourth time this week, depending on how you categorize our other guests. Brian Callahan, friend of the show, joins us to talk Bengals offense. And that is why, because we had Zach Taylor earlier this week, Joe Goodberry, that's why you got to make us your first listen each and every morning. We are free. You can subscribe on YouTube or check us out on anywhere you get your podcast. So do that now and But without further ado, let's get to our chat with Bengals offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan. We're now glad to welcome on to the podcast, offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan. Brian, been a few months. How's it going? Are you enjoying your bye week? Yeah, so far so good. Just got a chance to be a normal person for a few days here and pick up my kids from school and take them to the park and do do some normal dad stuff and sleep in a little bit, take a nap or two and get refreshed. Before Sounds we like, dive into before we dive into football, what's your least favorite chore to do, just in general, not during the bye week, but least favorite chore? That's a good question. Um, I very much dislike doing laundry. That's my least favorite thing. <laughs> yeah, I hate folding. I can it's do the folding. laundry, but the folding is awful. I think, yeah, well, especially when you got I got little kid laundry, so there's like 500 pieces of it, and it takes like an hour and a half to fold it. So uh, that's yeah, that's my least favorite by far. I agree. For, for me, it's a folding. I agree with all you. I mean, maybe we're just typical men, right? And we just <laughs> could don't be part like of it. folding things. And, and that's just our generation. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's good that you're, you're enjoying your bye week. Zach said, you know, it's going to be good for everybody to get time off and, and spend some time with the family. When are you guys back to the regular in-season schedule? Uh, we'll be back. Uh, I'll Probably have us do a little bit of work on Sunday night, and then we'll be back in the office on Monday morning ready to roll. Yeah, so a little bit of a break, like a couple couple days, and then back at it. So let's let's interrupt your break and talk about your job for a while on this uh, Thursday morning, and let's start with the the quarterback play. Joe Burrow in his second year has by my eye, taken some very clear steps forward and even within the season has made some progress despite all the ado over the interceptions. I think Zach Taylor has been asked about his interceptions about 10 different times by 10 different people this week, including us. And the other side of it is he's really come a long way in certain regards of his game. One of those managing the pocket from your view as an offensive coordinator what are the areas you've seen the most growth from Joe Burrow in 2021? That's definitely one of them. Uh, just to see him and how quickly he's gotten back to being comfortable in the pocket. Uh, it was always something that was a strength of his, particularly when you look at his, his, his LSU time, LSU tape. Um, but I think what gets overlooked a little bit is just how far, how quickly he's come uh, from his injury and how quickly he got back to playing really good football. Um, when those things normally take a little bit more time uh, to settle in and feel comfortable, 
uh, somehow, some way, he managed to, to start the season and, and really very quickly get back to playing the way he's used to playing football. And um, that gets overlooked a little bit. I think it's really impressive uh, the the mental ability that he had to overcome that uh, to get to where he is now. And his pocket movement's been excellent. Uh, he just has a really great natural feel for it. And I think what's helped with the pocket movement is now you get all of the receivers on the same page, things we've been working on for a year now on extending the plays and when things go off script, uh, when he does break the contain, having guys react the right way. Um, and it's been a productive part of our offense. Our guys have gotten better and better each week at finding ways to mirror Joe's movement outside of the pocket and find big completions and big plays. Yeah, the, the explosives are certainly something that you focused on this offseason. I imagine you're, you're pretty pleased through nine weeks of, of that aspect of the offense. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look, I mean, we're I think we're first in, in – yards per completion. I think it's like eight point something and it puts us right up there at the top of the league. And um, that's a huge part of the explosive plays that we've been able to generate. Um, and last year, that was a thing that we lacked. I felt, you know, we ended up having to go a lot of 10 and 12 play drives. And that's a really hard way to, to play football. You know, you got to be right for a lot of plays. And uh, when you get a chance to take a, a four play drive and go 70 yards, uh, because somewhere in there, somebody caught one for 60, then that makes life a lot easier on the offense. And um, Jamar is obviously a huge part of that. He's he's kind of he's unlocked an explosive element that we lacked last year, and um, it's been it's been fun to be able to have that explosive element. Uh, now you just got to bring the rest of them along with it. T's had a few. We'd like to get more from T, um, but it's been a big part of our offense and being able to score a bunch of points. When you look at some of the advanced numbers out there, Joe Burrow leads the NFL in the quote unquote tight window throws, and this is according to you know, the next gen stats categorization of tight window throws. I think he's somewhere around 23%. And they can, they, they call it the aggressive percent, the, the percentage of his throws that are aggressive. Really, that just means the ones that they've categorized as tight window. Zach was asked about this a little bit, I think, in his presser earlier this week about tight window throws. Against the Browns, though, especially on the scripted drives, I thought you guys had some really easy free yards that you're able to make the reads based on pre-snap alignment. You know, a, a safety goes with Joe mixing into the flat and you have a dragon concept over there. You know, you have that slant where you have a, a corner playing press bail. Have you found more of those free easy yards as the season's gone on by sprinkling things in like that pre-snap motion and, and those pre-snap reads to find those easy yards? Absolutely. Um, and then we're always looking for easy completions. There's nothing better than, than throwing a ball in the flat for three yards and getting 15 or 20. I mean, that's, that's easy football. Uh, it's easy for the quarterback. It gives him a mental break too, where he doesn't have to just decipher all the things happening and in protection. And now you just get the ball out of his hand quickly, get the ball in somebody else's hands uh, with time and space. Um, it's not always as, as easy as all of a sudden these guys are always going to be open like that. But um, when we get chances to do that and find ways to do that, that's always going to be our, our goal is to find the completions that make it easy on the quarterback. And then when you got to when you have to hang in there and make a tight throw, you have to make a tight throw, and that's just kind of how it goes. But I do think you know because we have really good outside receivers, and when you're throwing on the outside lanes, uh, you're throwing against corners that are playing usually some version of, of press or, or technique a lot of the times. And, and if they're not, they're playing with vision on the quarterback, and so they're breaking on the ball. And I think when we throw in the outside lanes as much as we do, because we we believe in the guys we have out there. You know they're going to come across as, as tight window throws by some of those metrics that that are uh, that are out there for for consumption. And so, you know, some of them are are 
things that we lean on, guys going one-on-one. Uh, you know, we feel like our matchups with both T and Jamar on the outside are, are going to be matchups we can win more often than not. But um, you know, I think there's a lot of – I think a lot of tight window throws exist out there. And, um, you know, I, I don't always necessarily know what to make of all that – those data points all the time. They, they, they make sense. They're, they do tell you a story. Uh, but then how do, how do you – how do you use that to your advantage or, or how some of those things fit? I'm, I'm not always sure, but um, I just know that we, we've definitely had some, some tight coverage. We played against good corners. Um, those things are probably going to come off as, as tighter window throws as well. So, uh, but whenever we can make an easy throw for two, three yards and get 20, we'll take that every time. As far as uh, Burrow's concerned, and you mentioned him deciphering pre-snap and, and you guys put a lot on him from a, an outsider's view, it seems like he's really, really good at all of that stuff. But how has he developed? How have you seen him get better maybe this season or, or since he was a, a rookie at that stuff? Because I think it's a strength, obviously, and I think you feel the same way. But I'm sure he's improved in, in certain areas from the, the mental aspect as well. Yeah, I would say he just, he sees defenses so much better now after you know a collection of what he's played now, 16 or 17 games. Um you know, it's he start. He sees things so much cleaner. He sees technique so much. Um, it just makes more. It just it happens faster for him. So everything he sees, uh, he's got a really good feel for what he's seeing. Uh, and then there's games where then you can. He's feeling it. He really sees it well. Uh, that second half in Jacksonville was one of them where just things were clicking for him. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing is he's just seen so much more football now at, at the NFL level. Uh, he's seen blitzes. He's seen all the different ways he, he can protect himself. Um, and then what are his answers? I think that's what makes him unique is that his ability to process what he's seeing, see it, understand it, but then be able to have the answer quickly uh, to take advantage of, of some particular looks. Uh, Baltimore certainly comes to mind as one of them. You know, we got a zero blitz and we had a checkup all week that, um, you know, he could, as soon as he saw it, he could get to it. Uh, and he did. It happened fast. We got a line. He threw a go ball down the sideline to Jamar. That was the one that that was the fumble where, uh, you know, they touched it out. He touched it out of bounds, so it didn't end up being a turnover. But it was a big play for us against a, an all-out pressure look that he was able to diagnose and get to quickly. So those are the things that, that make him really unique is his, his processing ability. Um, and then his accuracy, obviously, is, is one of the things that sets him apart um, from, from a lot of guys in the league. So, uh, But I would say the biggest thing is just all the things that he sees from them uh, defensively and, and being able to get to the right plays and right answers. We'll get back to our conversation with Brian Callahan, but today's episode brought to you by McDonald's, which has proudly served communities since 1965. And you're talking about billions and billions, whether it's their awesome cheeseburgers, their McNuggets, their McFlurries, you can get something that you love at McDonald's. And it's a place where family and friends can come to reconnect. They have amazing Wi-Fi, amazing food. So whether you're on a road trip or you're leaving Paul Brown Stadium after maybe a win the next time they suit up here in the second half of the season. McDonald's is the place to go. I've gone to McDonald's a ton, whether it's after a cross-country meet in high school or on a road trip to Pittsburgh, Detroit, etc. after Bengals wins this season. So check them out, your local McDonald's. And as always, I'm loving it. We haven't talked about Tyler Boyd yet. And you talked about really liking your outside guys. You go back to the Jacksonville game. It was Tyler Boyd on that juke route all day in the second half, just absolutely killing Jacksonville underneath. Then the next week, I think, against Green Bay, 
you, you get a bad interception in that spot where they're sitting on it a little bit. I don't know if Joe Burrow even sees the linebacker because there's a big lineman in his face. And since then, we haven't seen as many targets go to Boyd on that juke route. And I don't know if we've seen Hosswide juke, which I think is the play call there, called yep. as much, where you have the uh, the little curls or, or comebacks on the outside, the the slot fades, and Boyd running the, the juke route. Is that something that is going to come back? Zach Taylor mentioned, I think, in his press conference that, you know, he would, wouldn't be doing his job, but I don't remember the exact quote, if he didn't get Tyler Boyd more involved. So what's the plan there for, I, I know you can only call the plays and then the defense and the quarterback are going to dictate a lot of it, but what's the idea there to get Tyler more involved in the second half? Um, he has to be more involved. It was disappointing that, you know, we missed, we had two plays that, that were, he was the primary on and we took sacks, which was unfortunate. Um, the one, the, the, the one sack would have been a, a quite a big, quite a big play. I think probably a 20 yard or plus uh, to Tyler coming on the high cross. Um, but there's, there's ways to get, to get TB involved and we got to do a better job of that because leaving, leaving a game where he's really got no meaningful targets um, is disappointing both on for him and for, for us. And he's, he's the bet, one of the best third down receivers in football. Uh, I will say he has over the course of the season, um, drawn quite a bit of double teams inside on third down because of his production. Uh, teams are playing some lurk coverages. They're playing some double coverages where uh, they're trying to bottle him up in the middle of the field, knowing that, that that's an area that we like to go after. So um, that's part of it. Uh, that's certainly not the only reason, and, and it wouldn't be a reason for us to go away from TB uh, for, by any stretch at all. But, um, you know, some of those option routes and things, you know, you know we've, we've not done as much empty. So the, the, the juke concept that, we, that we've run quite a bit of, uh, we haven't seen, you know, the types of coverage structures and empty that, that you like that against. You see that those juke routes and one-on-one -on -one matchups are, are really great when you're, when teams are playing a bunch of middle field open type coverages, your, your quarters, your quarter, quarter halves, where you can isolate uh, TB on, on some linebackers. And I think teams know that that's part of the things that we like to do in empty. And we've seen a little bit less of the middle field open versus empty. Um, you know, some of these teams have some pretty so the pressure packages, you know, some teams have some of these auto checks and empty where they make life hard on you. Uh, and we're trying to try to avoid some of those things where you're throwing hot all the time. Um, but there's places for, for TB. There's other ways to get TB the ball that, that we have to do. Uh, and like I said earlier, there's some of those easy completions that, you know, he can be involved in some of the naked game. Uh, he can be involved in some of these easier completions um, that, that you can get for, for 20 yards that don't take much out of the quarterback's um, stress level. So, you know, got to do a better job of, of getting TB as a part of the offense early. And, and there's a lot of ways to do that. And we, we've, we've definitely taken some time over the last few days uh, to, to figure out where, where, what other good ways fit besides just being an empty for TB. With, uh, with Hosswide Juke, with those comebacks on the perimeter, a lot of times that's a running back, a tight end, because you guys are in 11 personnel. You have your receivers in the slots running the, the Juke route, the option route, and running the fades. Is, is is the perimeter route, is that kind of a hot route? Or, or where is that in the progression on that play? I'm just curious. Generally speaking, that route is going to be uh, more of a check down type philosophy where you're, you're either starting with the option inside or you're working the seams uh, versus depending on the coverage. But those ones are for some of the teams that like to play real soft and, and overlap the midpoint, those seam routes with the, with the corners. And if they don't get far enough out to the flat, or if they drop out deep enough, it's just an easy completion. Uh, sometimes those things go for, for 10, 10 to 15 yards on, a, on an easy completion because they, they don't respect the fact that it's a tight end and a back out there. 
and they have the ability to make it, uh, you know, to drop off. And now you just, it becomes a long handoff essentially at that point. Um, they're rarely going to be primaries unless they're just so soft to start, just raise up and throw it out there. Uh, but generally you read that inside triangle to start between the two seams and the option route. How has Boyd handled that? Cause I, I think it's, it's one thing if you're up 41, 17 in Baltimore and you're going to have a really fun plane ride back, but it's another, uh, maybe even not even the Jets game, but if you're at home and it's, you know, a blowout loss to the Browns, has he been all right? Because he is used to being a, you know, a thousand yard receiver and a big part of the offense. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end, you know, when you look at the target distribution just over the course of the season, you know, he's, he's definitely not far off of his pace of targets from where we're at. Um, and really our targets are distributed pretty evenly amongst those, those three guys. Um, and, and it goes up and down week to week, you know, some guys have more, a bigger game than others. Um, you'd like to have a little more consistency on our part of just finding ways to, to get those guys all involved early in a game. Um, it's a good problem to have, you know, where you're trying to spread the ball between Mixon and T and Tyler and Jamar um, and CJ's in that mix too. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of targets to go around and, and we have to do a good job of making sure uh, we get those guys involved early enough to where they all feel like they're a part of it. That's on us uh, as a coaching staff and on me to make sure that happens. Um, but I think, TB is a, is a real pro. Uh, he's a captain for a reason. All the things that, that we love about TB, um, his energy, his consistency, those are the things that show up when, you know, it's easy to be a captain when, when you're catching 10 balls a game and, and everybody's cheering you. But, you know, it's a little bit of a, uh, a rough stretch for TB in terms of his, his production and involvement, and, and he's been a pro. And I, we all appreciate that about TB. Uh, he knows that it's going to come for him when it comes. And, you know, when your number is called, you make the play. And I think, you know, all the things that make TB a really special player uh, have helped, you know, and the thing when things aren't going great for him, of him being consistent and just understanding that, you know, his day's coming too. And, and not every day is going to be a big day when we have all the types of players that we have on offense. Um, so that's that's why he's a captain. That's what makes him unique. Uh, and that's what he's, he's the same guy every day, which, which is certainly something we very much appreciate. Uh, and that's the type of guys we're looking for. We'll continue our conversation with Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan, but I got to tell you about Get Upside because you fill up, I fill up, we all have to fill up our automobiles. And when we're doing that, you know what else we need to do? Well, let's fork over a bunch of money. Gas prices are going up. That's no fun. Well, you can save money every time you fill up with Get Upside. It's the new free awesome app that you can download in the App Store or Google Play, whether you have an iPhone or an Android. And you're going to save up to 25 cents off per gallon every time you fill up. And if you use promo code touchdown right now, you're going to get a bonus 25 cents off per gallon on your first fill up. So it's up to 50 cents off per gallon with promo code touchdown. It's free. You can have your savings deposit in your PayPal account or your bank account, or maybe you can get a gift card or, or not only maybe you can get a gift card. Maybe if you want to get a, you know, Amazon for the holidays or something like that. So Get upside, G-E-T-U-P-S-I-D-E, promo code, touchdown. We've talked about the receivers. We've talked about Joe Burrow. I mean, we could talk about Stanley Morgan's great block on the uh, lineback play where he takes out two Browns on Sunday. But let's talk about Joe Mixon, the other one of the what, – what did they call themselves? I, I don't even remember, the Fabulous Five or something. doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Joe Mixon, the other weapon of this offense that is back with – Frank Pollock running a lot of wide zone stuff. The last time he had a massive season, Frank Pollock, well, he was not bad two years ago by any stretch, but he had a massive season a couple of years ago with Frank Pollock calling the run game. And we've seen a shift this year to 
more 12 personnel, more six offensive linemen stuff, a lot more under center than we saw in Joe Burrow's rookie year. And a lot of those snaps have been, well, a lot of those snaps have in the first place, especially with the uh, extra linemen been running plays and have been zone plays from under center. How has that transition been where you've been putting in all of this wide zone stuff and and trying to build off it with increasing prevalence over the course of the year things like jet motion and naked plays and and play action plays as things go on yeah when when we looked at the run game and when frank got here you know we we looked at what we had done prior you know what was good for us the season before um and then what what is frank's philosophy what does he want to major in and and frank's an outstanding offensive line coach uh, both in how he technically teaches and how he schematically sets the run game up. And our job is to, on the passing game side, is to match as much as we can on the run game with our formations, particularly the play actions and the screens, um, and then and formate things that, that fit together. And when you look at, at the wide zone, it's always going to be better under center because you're looking for phasing and the running back and the center have to be in phase. If the running back's behind the center, you don't get the right stretch. If the running back is too far in front, you know, the cut doesn't happen when you want it to. So you want those guys to be in phase it's a four-step decision for the back, and you can cut it vertical. And, and we've done a really nice job of that at times this year. There's been some, some nice runs that have come off of those uh, types of stretch and cut. And, but that's what Frank believes in. He's, he's a great teacher of that system uh, in the wide zone. We've always wanted to be a wide zone team here. Uh, obviously, Zach coming from the Rams was a big part of it. Uh, and it's, it's a great scheme. It's a great way to run the football. And you got to be able to mix your other gap schemes and, and your downhills and your counters and powers and all that. But um, we major in the wide zone, and I think we're relatively good at it. Um, I'd like to see some more explosive plays out of it if you can. That's generally where those explosives come from, uh, some of these big wide zones that, that stretch and cut and you break a few tackles. But when you, when you study the run game, it's really, really difficult to have uh, the type of balance in the run game when you're in the gun all the time. Uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to cover up tendencies. It's, hard to, uh, it's a lot easier for the defense to fit. You know, they, There's only so many places you can go when you're offset in the gun. Um, and you got the RPO game off of it, which is, which is good. It's, it's good. It's solid. There's places for it. Um, but it's not always as easy uh, as we'd like it to be. You know, these teams that play all the single high and press coverage RPOs don't, don't go uh, as, as well as you always want them to. But um, when you're under center in a run game, you can match everything up and you, you don't know which way you're going to run and you have the ability to, to get the timing and the phasing right up front. So that's a big uh, emphasis was a big emphasis for us coming into the season. Um, and then we started to do a little more because obviously when Joe came in from LSU, we were trying to make him as comfortable as we could. Uh, and, the, and the gun is where he's been most comfortable. And all quarterbacks are going to be more comfortable in the gun. That's just how they function. Their brains work better. They see it better. Uh, they don't all, most of them don't like to turn their back to the defense, which is an understandable, uh, understandable viewpoint from a quarterback perspective. But uh, you have to be able to do it. You have to be able to get under center. And you have to be able to run the ball under center. Uh, and you have to be able to do all the play action stuff that marries together with it. So, I think it's a it's an element of our offense that's come along uh, as the season's come along uh, better and better. Joe's gotten more comfortable with it. Um, and the play action, I think you see, is that we've had some really, really big plays off some of these play actions from under center. Um, and that's what you hope for. That's, that's kind of the idea of the whole system. Sticking with uh, the running backs, Chris Evans, I, I think he's probably going to have a, an expanded role on special teams when that hamstring gets better, given the injury to Brandon Wilson. But do you think he could have a, a big role on, on offense or a bigger role on offense the final eight games? Because he had that breakout game against Detroit, and then we haven't seen him. And uh, I, I just, at least from my vantage point, you look at what he can do in the passing game, and I know you like what he can do. 
seems like he's a he's a guy that could have a big second half. Yeah, I'm I'm optimistic about how how he can help us uh, this this last eight games because uh, you know he does have a very unique skill set catching the football and running routes. Uh, he ran a great choice route the other day uh, in the game, um, and you know the hamstring set him back some. You know he he missed he missed a game, and you're always really sensitive with with, with soft tissue injuries, especially on a young player. Um, you're trying to work him back until he feels really good uh, before you, you start feeding him a bunch of things and, and making sure he's, he's mentally good to go too. That's a big part of it. Um, so I'm, I'm optimistic about where, where his, his, his arc is headed over the end of the season, because, you know, Joe, Joe's done a great job on first, second down. Um, he's been in on some third downs and, and done a good job there too, but you know, it's a long season and, and Joe's got a ton of touches too. Uh, you know, run and pass. You try to keep him fresh for the stretch um, and, and with, with Samaje taking over some of the protector role uh, as Chris has been out, um, you know, those, that's, there's a place for Chris to play more, uh, particularly in some of the pass game stuff that we do. But um, Chris carries is a good running back, too. He, he's good with the ball in his hands. And, you know, we don't take too many carries away from Joe when we can help it. But um, both him and Samaje uh, do a good job when, when called upon to run the ball. So uh, I'm excited about where his, his trajectory is. Um, he's, he's a really, I think, a unique young player that, uh, as he's gotten more comfortable and understanding more and more of what it takes to play running back in the NFL, I think he's just going to keep getting better. So I'm excited about what he could bring to us uh, these last eight games. It seems like for a young guy, for a rookie, Chris Evans has actually made some very impressive plays in pass protection, including mm -hmm. one on an explosive play that that really comes to mind for me. Have you been pleased with his protection, surprised by his protection ability as a rookie? I wouldn't say surprised. Um, I am very pleased with it, though, because I think it's, um, you know, that's not a that's, that's a hard thing. It's a hard part of playing running back. It's one that gets overlooked because uh, everybody looks at the carries and the running ability. But the protection is is just as important part of playing running back in the NFL. And guys that can do it play a long time. You know, I think I think Gio Bernard, obviously, uh, is probably one of the best. I mean, he did a phenomenal job for us. Um, but that's that's the role. And those guys can play for a long time. And. So to have a young player be that, uh, you know, fit in that easily and be able to pick it up that quickly and see it, you know, the, the, it's easy to talk about it and do it, but he sees it. He understands his eye progressions uh, and how he has to react. So I've been very pleased with, with how quickly he's been able to settle into some of the protection stuff. Um, and then the third part is the, the technique, you know, um, those aren't easy guys to pick up when they're blitzing, especially when you're talking about some of these linebackers, they, they know how to rush too. And so to see Chris be able to do that and execute the technique, uh, kind of consistently as the season's gone along has been has been fun. So uh, I'm I'm excited about about his ability to help us uh, as we move down the end of the towards the end of the season here. I think he's he's got a lot of ability. We'll get back to our conversation with Brian Callahan coming up Sunday night or Monday morning whenever you listen to the Locked On Bengals podcast part two coming up next time. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.